0: Alright, uh, well, you know, Barry got to get up here and preach, and, and I'm the guy that's got to now teach, you know, so he gets to work you up, and I'm the one that's got to, you know, kind of you know, fill in all the blanks, and uh, his job's much more exciting, I have to say, than mine, but uh, there are some things that we want to know and understand about the nature and the working of God and of the gifts of the Spirit, and that's what I'm going to endeavor to help you with this morning. Um, I mentioned, you know, two weeks ago, only we didn't have any of the technology working. It was really a bad day. Uh, that uh, even though we were celebrating my birthday, it was still a bad day in terms of technology-wise. And um, I was talking about how the triune or the, the, the of nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, is listed or is expressed in the three gifts sets in Scripture. And I talked about that, and, and I didn't get a chance to put this up on the screen, but there are... The Scripture says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 4 to 6, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. You see that? Then it says, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So in other words, what you know, God is saying is that you know, He has ways, expressions, gifts, uh, talents, abilities that he puts into his church, and he is, he is expressing them to us, but uh, those different sets are expressed through different persons of the Godhead. And one of the truths I think that we, helps us uh, stay grounded is that we may not operate in all of these, we only may operate in some of these, and as we understand the nature of the gifts, we'll understand. Why? In other words, God may have given some gifts to you, but given other gifts to other people. And there are not 21 equal gifts, as we'll put up here on the screen in a minute, uh, that are available to all believers, but rather there are three specific sets of gifts that are administered through different persons of the Godhead, as I'm going to show you here in just a moment. So I want you to look up at this chart on the screen. This is what I was not able to put up uh, a couple weeks ago. But in 1 Corinthians, which we're going to look at today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11, you have the gifts of the Spirit word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, healing, miracles, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Then in Romans chapter 12, we have uh, in verses 6 to 8, what I can call the gifts of, they call it, in Scripture, it says the gifts of God, but gifts of the Father, God the Father, and those are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy. And then in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we have a specific list attributed to Christ, our Lord, right? And uh, those are in Ephesians 4.11. They're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So now we have three different sets of gifts listed in Scripture. And as the introductory comments that Paul made in 1 Corinthians 12... There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same uh, Lord, right? And the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists are there to serve and equip the body of Christ, but they all come from one Lord, Jesus Christ, amen? And there are different kinds of working, but the same God works them in all men. And so those are the gifts uh, in Romans chapter 12 that are, are given to us, I believe, at birth. They're not in your DNA. They're not encoded. If your father was a, you know, a teacher, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be a teacher. But I believe God puts them in us, even from birth. And that's why you'll see people with uh, naturally operating in what seems to be one of those gifts from Romans chapter 12, and yet they're not even a, a believer yet. Well, why is that? It's because, you know, God has put that into that person. He's uh, written that on their hearts, and they're simply waiting for their opportunity in him to be an expression of that gift, amen? amen. Now, I wanna focus this morning on the first set, the first list, the gifts of the spirit. This is gonna take us a few weeks to get through. This is also the list that's most controversial. This is the one that, you know, everybody associates with y'all because you're charismatic, you know, Pentecostal believers, so this is the one that you get, you know, oh, you're those people. Yes, we're those people, all right? All right. And uh, so this list is the one that maybe makes some people go, hmm, that's just a little bit out there. And I get it. I get that. That's why I'm going to try and help bring that which is out there into here. So you have an understanding of what uh, we're talking about here. Now, I find it interesting as we look at this set of gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's turn there again this morning in the scripture, beginning of verse 4, beginning of verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at this list together. Paul says this There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Verse 7 Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. All right, now this uh, list of gifts that we're going to look at today, the gifts of the spirit, First thing that we need to understand about them is that these gifts are given to us for the common good. Uh, To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So all three sets of gifts are there for your empowerment, for your edification, for the encouragement, for the building up of the body of Christ. None of the gifts in Scripture are given to exercise condemnation. Someone say amen. amen. None of the gifts are given so that you can exercise judgment. None of the gifts are given so that you can condemn somebody else, so that you can lord it over somebody else. They're not given for your own benefit. They're not given so that you can uh, increase your, your you know, stock portfolio or anything else. God doesn't give the spirit of prophecy so that you can have insight into, you know, the TSX index and or the New York Stock Exchange and become a billionaire. That's not what they're there for. They're there for the edification, the equipping, and the encouraging of the body of Christ. They're so that we can build one another up. Everybody say, build up, up. not tear down. down. Say it again, Build build up, not tear down. That's what the purpose of the gifts are. They're given so that we can build one another up and so that we can encourage one another, so we can strengthen one another. Now, the word that Paul uses for gift here in 1 Corinthians 12 is not the word charis that is used for gift in many other places in Scripture. It's interesting. The word translated gift here is the Greek word uh, phaneros. And that word means uh, an exhibition or an expression or a manifestation of something. It means to bring something that was hidden and bring it into the present. It means to have something that expresses something else in another realm. So in other words, it is a manifestation of the spirit in the this realm. So that the gifts of the Spirit that are expressed here in 1 Corinthians 12 is about God bringing something from his heart, his wisdom, through the Holy Spirit and making it manifest in this realm. All right? And I think it's important for us to understand as we look uh, at these gifts, that this is the most controversial list in Scripture. Everybody say Controversial. It is. It's the most controversial list. What's the controversy about? Well, many in the evangelical community believe that this list of gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, are no longer in operation today. Uh, That they no longer uh, have a place. And theologically, you'd say, well, how come they believe that? Well, theologically, they use 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the justification for that. Now, you're thinking to yourself, 1 Corinthians 13. Where have I heard that before? Oh, the love chapter. The love chapter. How in the world do they use the love chapter to come to that conclusion? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 10. And it says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish thing, away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So after describing and introducing the gifts in chapter 12, and before going on to describe their Application and usage, which we'll get into greater detail in next week, in verse uh, chapter fourteen, Paul pauses in chapter thirteen to tell us that and remind us that all the gifts that are listed in chapter twelve need to operate on the foundation of love. Right? I don't think it's a coincidence that that this set of gifts, between, where they're introduced in chapter twelve and they're explained, much of the application of them in chapter 14, that in the middle, Paul wedges chapter 13, and he talks and pauses and talks about love. He does so because he wants us to understand that regardless of whatever gift you're functioning is uh, in, I should say, that its purpose is to be expressed in love for the building up of the body of Christ. But now some have said that, that what actually is happening here in chapter 13, is Paul is explaining that the gifts are temporary, and one day they'll no longer be needed before he goes on to explain them. And the people that believe that uh, are called cessationists. Everybody say cessationists. So they believe that, that they're no longer, that they have ceased to operate. They're no longer in, in operation. And it's interesting, they use uh, in Scripture verse uh, 10, and Paul says, but when that which is perfect has come then that which is in part will be done away. And so they talk about why why will the tongue cease? Why will the the words of prophecy cease? They'll cease because that which is perfect has come. And they would say that that which is perfect, what Paul's referring to is the canon of scripture. So that once we had the Bible, then we no longer need the gifts because we have the Bible, right? Everybody understand what I'm saying? And so that's the position that they take. And Now, for me personally, I find that an untenable position. I find that something that I go, hmm, I can't really buy into that. Uh, Because I don't see the Bible as being the completion to what God wants to do on earth. What do I mean? Well, the Bible is indeed a perfect revelation of God. But it's also incomplete. (gasps) Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying it's incomplete. If you don't believe me, listen to what... Uh, let me see where the Scripture... Um, hold on just a second. Uh, where is it here? For 21, verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that could be written. What does that tell you? That tells you that although the Bible is a perfect revelation in that it contains no doctrinal error, it is a perfect revelation, it's incomplete. It doesn't tell you everything that Jesus did. By John's own admission in the Scripture, it's an incomplete revelation. It doesn't reveal to us everything that Jesus did. It doesn't reveal every every aspect of the nature of God. How could it? God is so vast that the Scripture could not reveal the sum of Him. Amen? Amen. And there are many other scriptures that talk about the nature of God being so large that there's no way that we could possibly ever write down in books and express everything that is God. He is much greater than that. So when that which is perfect has come, the reason I say that it's obviously not the scripture is because if you go on to the rest of that passage, Paul says that when that which is perfect has come, then we shall know even as we are known. Now we know in part, but then we shall know even as we are known. What is he clearly referring to? When am I going to finally know God even as I'm known? Anybody want to guess? When I stand before him in resurrected glory, then I will finally get to know him in the same manner that he knows me. There will be no longer any barriers of time and space and flesh between he and I. We will be in a place of communion that I can't presently get into. And so until that time, Until that time, I believe the gifts are supposed to operate. Hello? And I don't see how you can come to any other conclusion. And, uh, you know, any any, uh, folks that are watching who are cessationists, you can call me up. We'll have a good debate about it this week. It would, be, it would be wonderful, but I think it's very clear from what Paul, if you put it in context, it can't be the Bible, the completion of the Bible that Paul was talking about, which is the perfect which has come, but he's saying, but when that which is perfect comes, when the second coming comes, when everything is brought to completion, then I'll know him even as I'm known, then I'll no longer have need for tongues, we'll no longer have need for prophecy, we'll no longer have need for the gifts of the Spirit, because we'll be in his presence, hallelujah, amen, amen. praise the Lord. But until that time, everybody say until. until. Until that time, I think we need the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? I think we need them operating in the church. Until that time, we need the Holy Spirit. Until that time, the church needs to be operating in the gifts that he gives by the Spirit. Until that time. Until. Amen. We need it, folks. We need the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord until that great and glorious day. I plan on saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, work in our midst. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. And as the old football saying goes, on any given Sunday. Do what you want to do, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, is that clear? Not, can we get on now getting into it and get talking about these things? Praise the Lord. Well, one more thing I want to say. Let me just move ahead. I got to go through these notes. Is that he gives the gifts as he determines? All of these are the work of one and same Spirit, and he gives to each one just as he determines. I think this verse, uh, verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 12, is a very important verse because it reminds us that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are resident within the Holy Spirit. And he administers them, he gives them as he determines. So, and I believe what he's trying to say there in determine is he's talking about time and space. So when, when he sees the need for it, Holy Spirit releases the gift. And that's why it's important to realize that the list of gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit, they're not... You know, it's not like you can say my gift is the gift of healing or my gift is the gift of miracles or my gift is the gift of tongues. You know, uh, I don't think that's the case here. Paul is, is telling us that those gifts are resident within the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit administers them in the body of Christ when they're needed. Now, what does he need in order to minister them when they're needed? He needs willing vessels. He needs people that are willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me. And you may be used to give a, a message in tongues and, or an interpretation of tongues or a word of knowledge or a prophecy. Uh, and you may be used in it today and never used in it again. But that's okay because Holy Spirit ministers those as he determines the need. And when he determines the need, all he needs is a vessel that's willing. He doesn't need somebody who this is your gift. No, no, no. He can use anybody. Everybody say anybody. Anybody. Anybody, anytime, anywhere. Amen? Anybody, anytime, anywhere. Praise the Lord. Therefore, it's possible, it's possible that you could operate in one of these gifts today and never operate in them again the rest of your life. That's possible. That's possible. Not likely. If you're a willing vessel, it's not likely, but it's possible. If you're a willing vessel, it's likely that you'll get used in these gifts over and over again, but it is possible that you could be used in it once and then never again because it's not yours, it's the Holy Spirit's. Everybody understand me? When we look at the other gifts, you're going to see that there's differences in those gifts, and those can be ours. They are things, some of them, that are written into our life, but these are resident within the Holy Spirit, and he administers them as he sees fit, as he determines. And I think this is an extremely important thing. Now, God wants to use them repeatedly in the body of Christ. And if you think about it, and when we start getting into these gifts, you realize, man, we need this stuff happening in the body of Christ. We need the gifts of Holy Spirit operating in the church. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, I mean, when they're an operation in the body of Christ, they allow the super to transcend the natural. Are you hearing me? that we were talking about earlier. It allows the supernatural to take place, and you're gonna see how that's possible. We're gonna only look at one set today because I've only got 15 minutes. 15 minutes. pastor's gonna do his best in 15 minutes. Whew. All right, so let's look at the first three gifts, and I've grouped them together in threes. So there's nine gifts here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I've grouped them together in threes. They're not necessarily listed in this order, but they function together and are easy to remember when you put them together in this order. So the first, we're going to talk about is, the first three we're gonna talk about this morning are what I call the gifts of revelation, all right? And those three gifts are the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the word uh, discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits, all right? I put these three together, and you'll see why here in just a moment. Now let's look at the first one of those. The word of knowledge, what in the world is a word of knowledge? Well, Dennis Bennett, he defines the word of knowledge this way. He says, it's a supernatural revelation of facts, past, present, or future, which were not learned through the efforts of the natural mind. I think that's pretty simple, isn't it? A word of knowledge is a revelation of facts, of information that's been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, about a situation or about a person that wasn't given because of your natural ability to investigate. So a word of knowledge is not you going home and looking something up on Kijiji or, or a wiki or whatever it's called and going, oh, so that's what that is. I've got a word of knowledge. No, that's not the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is when the Holy Spirit gives you information that you could not have known any other way except by revelation from Holy Spirit. That is a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge is an extremely useful gift. It opens up the hearts of people. When you're praying with somebody and God, you're praying with somebody and you you know you're up against some kind of a wall when you're praying. There's something going on and God gives you a word of knowledge about what it is that is holding that person back and then you're able to identify it. They go, what? because they know the only way you know that is by the Holy Spirit. How many know that that kind of opens up doors for you, doesn't it? How many have ever experienced that, where someone's prayed for you, and they had a word of knowledge, there's no way they could have known what they just said. But Holy Spirit gives them the word of knowledge, and they're able to jump right in, and they're able to cut right to the chase and begin to pray for you with incredible uh, grace and mercy and giftedness, why? Because of a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge. It's when we get the mind of Christ and the understanding, the knowledge of Christ deposited in us in a supernatural way so that we can minister to other people. And again, why does God give us word of knowledge? Is it so we can gossip and tell all our friends? No. Again, it's because we want to edify, encourage, and build up people. We get a word of knowledge about a particular individual or a situation so that they can be built up so that they can be encouraged, that they can be blessed, that they can be healed, that they can be restored. The word of knowledge is given to us so that others may grow in him. That's why he gives us all of his gifts. And the word of knowledge is exactly the same. There have been so many times that God has given me a word of knowledge about a situation and, uh, and I've been able to speak into someone's life. It's even been really practical. I've had times when I've had a word of knowledge from the Lord about everything from you know, uh, someone's motivation or whatever in a contractual agreement to uh, looking at a situation whether we should buy this or not buy that. And I get a word of knowledge from the Lord and I know that I'm not supposed to do it. And there have been so many times, you know, that it's just been Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just leading and I couldn't possibly have known anything else. One, One time, my wife and I, we were, our car was on its very last legs. Anybody ever been there where you've had a car on its very last legs? Then you understand. You can identify what I'm talking about. So we had, we had set up, we were going to buy this car where we're looking at, and then we just felt like we had a, a word of knowledge from the Lord. Just said, No, it's not time to buy a car. I have something better for you. I was like, Okay. Lord, have you seen the shape our car is in? You know what I'm saying? And you start having these argument conversations with God. But if you learn to listen to Him when He gives you uh, some kind of a revelation or an insight into a situation or into a a, a person, then you go, okay, all right, fine. And we just let it go. Literally within a week, someone came up to us and they gave us a vehicle. Seriously, now hear this. And they, they gave us this vehicle. It was only four years old and it was a Jeep Grand Cherokee, it was loaded. This thing had everything except a cappuccino maker built into it. You know what I mean? It was everything. And they, and they, and they gave it to us. And I, and I said to them, wait a minute. What if we went out and bought a car in the last couple of weeks? Well, then we would have taken that as a sign from the Lord that we weren't to give it to you. Oh. Are you hearing me this morning? How many know it's good to listen when the Lord gives you a piece of knowledge? I, couldn't, I had no idea that they were planning to give us a car. I didn't not go and buy one because I thought someone else was giving me one. I had no idea what God was up to, but I got that word of knowledge from the Lord and we just both knew in our spirit we weren't to do it. And we said, okay, God, I don't know, are you gonna heal this thing, this piece of garbage? I don't know how you're gonna do this, but you're gonna have to bring us through. And that's what happened. That is what, how, if we receive understanding and knowledge from God and we are willing to operate in it, then God can do so much to uh, direct our lives, protect us, and in, or enable us to minister to other people in supernatural ways. I've had many other times I've been praying for people, and God's given me a word of knowledge, and I've been able to start praying for them. And all of a sudden, they just open up like a flower and God, are able to receive what God has for them. And so the word of knowledge is a gift. We need the word of knowledge operating in the church. Can you imagine if you're standing in the grocery store lineup and God gives you a word of knowledge about someone's life and you're able to just gently speak into their life? They'll they'll just open up like, honestly, like a book and just allow you to to encourage and speak into their life. The word of knowledge is one of those gifts that if we operate in it with uh, compassion and with grace, there is literally no limit to what God can do through the body of Christ. Now, often the word of knowledge is accompanied by uh, a word of wisdom a word of wisdom uh, you know Jesus manifested a word of wisdom when the Pharise- to the Pharisees when they were intent on trapping him right and uh, then they asked him what a, a question about paying taxes you remember how Jesus responded and he said render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's this is a word of wisdom in operation it, it, it literally put to death the attack of the enemy and uh Luke chapter 12, verse 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need in that very hour. So what you ought to say. There's a word of wisdom that comes, and when we speak that word of wisdom, it shifts the circumstances and the situation. What is a word of wisdom? Well, a word of wisdom, Donald G says, is a spoken utterance through a direct operation of the Holy Spirit at a given moment, rather than an abiding deposit of supernatural wisdom. So I've met people like Wayne Levy, who's a very wise man, but that's not the, uh, the operation of the gift of wisdom in his life, the fact that he's just a wise man. You can go ask him about any particular topic, and he's probably gonna have some wisdom to give to you about that. But I've also seen him operate in the gift of wisdom when the Holy Spirit gives him something, and it fits the situation and the circumstance perfectly, and it's not based on previous experience or knowledge or anything else, but it just comes, right, Wayne, at the Holy Spirit right when you need it, and you're able to release that word of wisdom to somebody and it's able to literally give them understanding and insight that shifts the course of their life. We uh, see sometimes you'll get a word of knowledge, and then you need a word of wisdom to help the person do something with the knowledge, right? Uh, Word of knowledge, therefore, could be, uh, wisdom, I should say, could be this, look at it this way. Put this up on the screen. You could say that a word of knowledge is about revelation, and a word of wisdom is about application. So how are the gifts different? Word of knowledge is about revelation of information. And the word of wisdom is about the application of information. So when God gives the word of wisdom, he's giving us uh, an insight on how we apply his love and his grace or a word of knowledge or anything else to a particular situation. That's where wisdom comes in. It's about how we apply the operation of what Holy Spirit is doing in a person's life or in a situation. And we need the word of wisdom working in the body of Christ. Amen? I mean, in a world which is, I don't know, it seems to be the epitome of a lack of wisdom. How many would agree? You know, I was sitting there thinking this morning talking to somebody in the foyer about, you know, the state of our world today and, and, and the verse comes to mind, you know, thinking themselves wise, they become fools, right? And and many times, you know, the church just just saying the basic things that we we understand to be true makes us sound wise beyond our years. But then when we get a word of wisdom and we're able to speak that into a particular situation, my goodness. It literally silences the enemy. And we need wisdom. We need Holy Spirit divine wisdom to be able to navigate some of the roads that we have to walk down today in our culture. We live in a very confused culture and we need the wisdom of the Lord to be able to speak clarity in the midst of confusion. And to do it without people you know, feeling like somehow we're just opposed to them. So many times Christians come off as people who are just against everything. We need the wisdom of God to be able to explain what we're for, amen? We need the wisdom of Holy Spirit, the gift of wisdom to be able to express what it is that we're for, to express the divine, to express his love, to express his goodness and his mercy in a world that's confused. We come forth with the gift of wisdom and we're able to help people navigate the world in which they are living, Amen. Now, there's the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, and then there's the gift of discerning of spirits. And this one, oh my word, I have seen this one abused like never before. Some of these stories, you just, you know, you, you got to know they're true because I couldn't possibly make this up. But I was a youth pastor in uh, another town, and I had one of the young people <clears throat> recently came back to the Lord, was on fire for God, loved the Lord, and he said, Pastor, he said, I been spending some time, and I believe my gift is the gift of the discerning of spirits, immediately know there's a problem because he said, this is my gift, right? And as we've already learned, no, 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 these gifts are resident within the Holy Spirit, and he gives them as he determines. So it's not your gift, it's his gift, and he may be giving it to you today, and he may not, but when I hear someone say, my gift is the discerning of spirits, I already know what I'm about to hear from that person's mouth is gonna be a whammy. (laughs) right? And boy, was it a whammy. So he pulls out this notebook and he opens it up. For and he, <laughs> poor guy. And, I, and he's, he's an incredible man. He's just grown and, and, and just a wonderful man of God today. But this was some of his infancy days and it was very interesting. And he said, pastor, you know, he says, my gift is the discerning of spirits. I said, oh, is it? And then he goes, and I've discerned every spirit that is affecting every person in the youth group. And he'd made an inventory list. He had all 40 names written down there and every spirit that was afflicting every single one of them. And so some of them I'd never even heard of. Uh, The spirit of the air. Did you know what that is? That's a person who's bound by listening to the radio. That's the spirit of the air. (laughs) Serious, can't make this stuff up. So he went down through, some of them were pretty, I was like, whoa, dude, seriously, you know? Uh, And I went through the list and, you know, some of them I was like, yeah, that's probably true about that person. But, you know, uh, it was just interesting. He he had this whole list he'd written down. So I had to explain to him, I had to say, you know, uh, I I appreciate you believe you're hearing from God, but I said, that's not what really discerning of spirits is about. and, And that's not what God would have you do. And I think most of this is just you being pretty in tune with the struggles that they're having in their life, but it's not a demonic spirit. Hello? So if, that's not what the, if the discerning of spirit isn't Holy Spirit giving you revelation of the demon that's challenging somebody's life, then what is it? What is the discerning of spirits? Well, that's interesting. What is it? Well, it comes from the Greek word uh, diakresis, and it means judging through, seeing right through to the inner reality of something with a judgment based on that insight or a conclusion based on that insight. So it's not about discerning which demon is troubling somebody, which is what some people uh, have misunderstood this gift to be. The discerning of spirit is to see whose spirit is in operation or is influencing this particular situation or person. What do I mean by that? Well, simply, it's a revelation of what's influencing that person. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it their flesh? Or is it a demonic spirit? The discerning of the Spirit is the ability to be able to see through a situation and know which of those three is in operation here. Well, you should you say to yourself, well, yeah, but that should be easy to tell. Really? Because the Bible says that, uh, sorry, the Bible says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Sometimes he can come along and he can be speaking through somebody and it sounds good, but it's not the Holy Spirit at all. Right? Many, many moves of God get derailed because people start operating in the flesh or worse yet, operating under demonic influence and it's not the Spirit of the Lord operating in And we need the discernment of Holy Spirit to be able to see which is going on here. I would even dare say that probably one of the gifts that's least operating and most needed in the body of Christ today is the discerning of spirits. You ever wonder how it is and that some mega church pastor ends up where they are? It's because instead of having men and women around him with the gift of discernment, discerning of spirits, they took everything that pastor said and everything that pastor did as if it was God. And sometimes they need to be able to say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right to me. Do you remember the passage in Scripture where it says it seemed right to them and to the Holy Spirit that they should do this, right? And, and a lot of times we end up going down rabbit trails as the church because we lack the discernment to know that this really isn't God at all now I'm not saying that the church is being led around by Satan and that we need to all of a sudden start looking for Satan under every pew and all that kind of stuff more often than not it's the flesh it's got nothing to do with the devil at all I know Flip Wilson used to say the devil made me do it but most people don't need any help in that regard it's the flesh hello hello and being able to discern that it's, it's your spirit, not the Holy Spirit, and not a demonic spirit, it's just you that's getting in the way of what God wants to do. Oh, but that doesn't happen in the body of Christ. Oh, yeah? It's the most common thing happening in the body of Christ. You know what the spirit of offense is? That's your spirit getting in the way of the Holy Spirit. And the spirit, or the gift of discernment, is needed to be able to point out to people you're just walking in a spirit of offense. It's not the Holy Spirit operating right now. It's 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 offense, and you need to deal with it. But we're afraid to operate in this gift. <sighs> Part of the reason we're afraid is because we've made it into something like I just said that it is not. It's not about you trying to identify what demon's particularly bothering somebody, but being able to say, No, 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 that's not the Lord. That's just your flesh getting in the way. That's your and the flesh, the number one way the flesh manifests in the body of Christ is a spirit of offense. So many people leave one church and go to another, not because they were led, but because they were offended. Just tell the truth, folks. Oh, pastor, we just feel lead to come, led to come here. But weren't you going to such and such church? Yes, but you know, the truth is over here. Oh, boy. As soon as I hear that, I go. <laughs> That's right. We've got the corner on truth for sure. And pastor so-and-so, yeah, he's, he's just up there every week preaching out of the Reader's Digest for Sure. You know, when I hear those kinds of phrases come out of people's mouths, I know I'm in for trouble. I had one person that said to me, Pastor, we are called here because we've been searching our whole life for the perfect church, and this is it. And I went, whoa. I know right now you won't be here in a month. (laughs) Because perfect is not who we are. And someone say amen. Amen. And, and all the offenses they had with every other church that they started describing to me, they're going to have with this one in short order. And sure enough, they did. And they were gone. I can't remember their name now, but it was a long time ago. Are you hearing me? The spirit of discernment can save us from a lot of this trouble. As a pastor, when someone tells you that, that don't be flattered. That's not flattery. That is a spirit of offense, and you need to see through it and have the discernment to know that's not Holy Spirit. That is them operating in their fleshly spirit, and they're carrying a spirit of offense. What you need to do is send them back to that church and say, you need to get right with the pastor. Amen. Hello? Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to ever go to a different church. Don't get me wrong. You know, don't... Hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying, right? Uh, I'm just saying, don't try to... Cloak in spiritual language something that's coming from your flesh. Make sure the flesh is clear. Make sure you've repented thoroughly. Make sure that your, your, your heart is right with God. And the discerning spirits can help you. Because someone can say, yeah, try to sell that somewhere else. That's not God and you know it. And this is the hardest one to administer in love. I got to admit because sometimes, you know, I'll get uh, discernment and I'll be like, now, how do I say this in love? <sighs> Help me, Holy Spirit. I need the gift of wisdom to go along with this right now. Hallelujah. Right? Amen. Oh, <laughs> well, we're out of time. Hallelujah. This is so much fun. But <laughs> we're out of time. Next week, we're going to talk about the gifts of power, which are the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. And then we'll talk about the gifts of utterance, the ones that are so confusing. This might take us, I don't know how many weeks to get through, but uh, tongues, interpretations of tongue, and prophecy, and how does prophecy end up in all three gifts sets, and oh, we're going to go through all that. It's just so much fun unpacking all of that. Uh, it'll be delightful. But I think next week is, we have two weeks and then it's Easter, right? So next week we'll do the gifts of power, then we'll take a break for Easter, uh, Good Friday Easter, invite somebody out for Easter. You know, I know sometimes you're like, well, I I don't know if I want to invite someone to church, because right now Pastor's talking about the Holy Spirit, and they may not understand the Holy Spirit. And Easter we're gonna talk about Jesus raising from the dead. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. You know what I'm saying? If ever there's a safe Sunday to invite somebody, a good Sunday to invite somebody, invite somebody for Easter Sunday. And let them celebrate with us that Jesus is alive, not dead. Amen? Come on now. So invite somebody out on Easter Sunday. I look out here. If everybody invites somebody, we'll need extra chairs. And we don't even have a, a great crowd here today. We'll, but we'll need extra chairs, won't we, Mark? Just, just invite somebody at Easter Sunday. I'm inviting some people. I'm going to make sure they're here. And even if I have to hog tie them and drag them in, no. Uh, I don't recommend that as a method, by the way. But, you know, let's all stand together this morning. We're out of time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, God is absolutely wonderful. And he adores us so much that he gave us gifts to be able to empower us to encourage one another, edify one another, build one another up. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are just such a set of gifts. that have been given to us to be able to operate in so that the body can be built up, so that people can be encouraged and strengthened so that we can be all that we were created to be. Amen? So, Father, today we just thank you so much for these gifts in Scripture. And, Father, help us, as the Scripture says, to earnestly desire your gifts. It's not a bad thing to want to be used by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you tell us that in Scripture. Earnestly desire the gifts. Earnestly desire them. So, Father, we earnestly desire that you would pour out your Holy Spirit and that, Father, you would release gifts to your people. Help us, Father, to operate in the gifts of knowledge, wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And, Father, help us, Lord, to be open to you using those in our life. And, Father, may we be conscious of the revelation that you're giving us at every moment of the day so that we can apply it to other people. And, Father, we can bring encouragement to the body of Christ. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We'll see you guys next Sunday. It is gonna be an awesome day.